Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. And with us right now, Lewis Musk. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> so the clap normally doesn't get in the audio, but I'm only Lewis kidding. threw it in for bonus. <laughs> there you go. Lewis, Lewis Musk, you're the executive vice president and chief operating officer with American Management Services, a.k.a. AmServe. Uh, Lewis, you're based here in Orlando. Of course, AmServe is on the web at AmServe.com. That's A-M-S-E-R-V.com. Lewis, thanks so much for joining us. Josh, my privilege. How are you doing today? Excellent, excellent, excellent. And and I'm thrilled because we're going to be talking about something that I know comes up a lot. And I think, you know, among business owners that even business owners that apparently, like, they look at a lot of the indicators of the direction of their business and they say, Lewis, things are going great. Like we're we're onboarding all these new clients. We're getting all this adoration. Like things are looking really good. I don't understand uh, why I still have an issue uh, with cash. Like as the owner, I don't feel like I'm earning. Like it's like we all, I think every business owner loves the concept of, you know, doubling down, reinvesting in their business there, especially if they're, you know, the founder and and they've, you know, it's part of their passion of why they're here on the earth. Um, but at the same time, it can be pretty frustrating to say, wait a minute, why doesn't this seemingly, you know, this this seeming growth which is going on? Why is this not equating with a little bit more cash in my pocket? So I'm thrilled to talk about that, Lewis. A little bit of a background. Can you explain um, who AmServe is, um, American Management Services, what you do? Sure. We are a uh, manage, management consulting firm. We're headquartered here in Orlando, Florida. And way back uh, 34 years ago, when the company was started, I would say that our focus was. Profits, 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 and after that, probably more profits. Mm-hmm. And over the last 10 or 15 years, especially around when that, you know, when when 2008, 9, 10 happened and the world sort of popped for a while there, I think a lot of our business has changed to trying to identify what an owner really wants, where they're at in their, in their career, in their professional career, versus where do they want to be, and how do we help them bridge that gap? So, of course, a lot of it is still focused around improving profitability, helping mm-hmm. folks with more. But a lot of it now is also about creating a successful transition to a next generation, making sure that whatever that next step for ownership is going to be, that it's rewarding both emotionally and financially. And of course, growing sales, profit, cash flow, just the normal, normal fight every day that we go through to try to help our clients realize whatever their dreams may be. Yeah. So doesn't sound like a bad offering. Hello, founders and principals. I would love to help you enjoy more money from your business. It's a fight every day. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is a fight every day. You know what I find with owners is is uh, uh, they really intuitively know their business. Yeah. They really, they know how to, you know, tote that barge, lift that bail. They know how to make that widget. They they intuitively, they know their business, but if they're second and third generation, this is how they were taught. And to get them to move off that, off that dime can be really challenging. And if they're the founder 
the originator of the business, there is a degree of stubbornness that mm. someone's not going to tell me better than what I know. So yeah. our belief, Josh, is we're not going to tell you how to do make that widget better than how you make it. Right. You right. know, your stuff. We want to tell help you get from making that widget to really making it worthwhile that you, your family and your employees all win. That's really where we want to get you. That's what we want to try and do. Yeah. You know, one thing that uh, I was in a conversation recently with someone, um, and I I know a lot of, I, I think nearly every business owner, I, I see them as, as, as quite benevolent. Like, and, and I think that we all want to provide maximum value for our clients, for our customers. However, sometimes I think that uh, in doing so, and and we've even done this in the past, we say, well, in order for us to provide our highest good, we need to be able to provide our prices at the absolute lowest price possible, um, even if that means that it we have very little profit margin. Um, what do you see in regards to that philosophy? From American management's perspective or from our client's perspective? Well, both. I shouldn't have asked it that way. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I, I think our from our client's perspective, I get a little worried about them sometimes because they lose sight of what their true costs are. And I, I find very rarely that I have a client that knows exactly what it costs them to make this pen, get it out the door, cover your overhead, and still have a reasonable profit margin. I find that way, way, way too often. I know here at American Management, you know, what we do with our pricing is it's is it's sort of tiered based on the size of the client. And what what we want to be able to do is provide a return that is at least three to one. So if we're tying it to improve profitability, we want to make sure that what the client's paying for, they're going to get back at least threefold. And in fact, if we can't do that, we're going to back out, Josh. Wow. Okay. So... I would imagine then hearing an offer like that, um, you might have a client that is just naturally skeptical. There's no way, Lewis, I've been doing this for 20 years. There's no way you're going to be able to find that kind of money. (laughs) Well, reality is um, most folks that are good at their business can, can identify weaknesses, right? So I believe that if you give us the opportunity we're going to spend, you know, three, four, five, six days with you. Try to identify your strengths and your weaknesses. We're obviously going to patch on the back for your strengths. We're going to try to quantify your weaknesses. And if they make sense to you and you want some help, then we'll figure out if we can fit. Um, and a lot of folks don't want to do that. And that's okay. That's really okay. But it's like you go to a doctor, right? I, I, if you go to a doctor and you have a problem with your elbow and the first doctor says, I want to I wanna operate, and you say, let me go for a second opinion. And that second doctor doesn't give you an examination. He just relies on the first doctor's mm-hmm. input. I'd run like like a dog, right? So for us, when someone wants to talk to us, we want to go in and diagnose what the issue is first. And then if we identify it, then quantify it. And if owner or strip agrees with it, let's figure out what to do with it. It doesn't have to be with us. Yeah. So where would you where where do you see most where do you see opportunity within the budget for most businesses? Or, or what would you say, the th- a different way of asking that, the, the three most common areas? Well, every owner wants to talk to us about growing sales, right? So mm-hmm. every owner thinks you just got to keep pushing that, 
that top line higher, higher, higher. We sort of call it raising the bridge, you know? Yeah. So every owner wants more revenue, whether it's Apple Computer or American Management or any business, they want to drive revenue. But what they've what the challenge is, is they don't have a disciplined process to do that. So my analogy is that if you build a house, you don't put the roof on first. You build the foundation, you put the frame up, you do the wiring, you do whatever you need to do before the roof goes on. Owners want to go from two million to eight million. And if you don't have the proper foundation and disciplines, it could crush you. So the owners typically that we deal with, they want to grow sales but we want them to grow sales profitably. Second thing is they need to have a better control of their pricing so they understand exactly what it's costing them to build that widget, to make that topic, whatever that is. And the third thing is that, you know, we want folks to have a solid plan and that plan should include everything that goes on in their business from the minute the key goes in the door to the minute they turn the lights out at the end of the night. And I'm going to, it's sad to say, I've been doing this for 22 and a half years now that I'm going to bet you, out of the thousands of clients I've touched, Joshua, we've touched less than 1% have a solid plan. They have an mm. idea, they have a concept, but they don't have a solid plan. Yeah. yeah. What does a solid plan look like? Well, something that addresses, you know, the moving parts of your business organizationally. How do people do what they do and how do you hold them, account- hold them accountable? Operationally, you know, how do things move throughout your environment to go from a raw material to a finished product? Think about it even in a restaurant, right? Raw material comes into the kitchen. They do something with it. They prepare it. They plate it. Uh, they garnish it, whatever, and then they serve it. So there's there's input, there's throughput, and there's output. So you got to have a plan that covers all of this. And we don't expect f- folks to have a Magna Carta, right? What we hope is that yeah. they just have an operating plan that everybody buys into so you can maximize your results because it's good for ownership. It's good for your vendors. It's good for your creditors. It's good for your customers. And it's amazing for your employees. Yeah. Um, in terms of sales, because again, I think that's a lot of a lot of businesses. We we want more customers. Who doesn't? Um, and you you talked about you know kind of doing so responsibly. Um, so what are the tenets of increasing sales responsibly? So I I sort of look at it like this. Um, I think that most owners fail to maximize their relationship with their existing accounts. And most owners have Mm. abdicated the sales role to other people within their organization. So, you know, maybe Charlie started the business by running around with a pickup truck eight years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But today he's doing four and a half, five million dollars. And he's put his nephew and his niece in, in the sales department. And they really, they're not Charlie. They don't know the road. Yeah. So you would never have your nephew and your niece put a put a roof on your house if they're not trained properly and supervised right. properly. Why would you have them think they could run around and sell for you properly? Mm-hmm. So step one to be, should be maximize the value of your potential of your existing accounts. Step two should be don't treat sales like an afterthought. If you have engineers doing designing and you have accountants doing accounting and you have architects doing drawing, have professionals do sales. Right. That's that's what I see all the time. What would what would you imagine? What would be an example of, okay, uh, we're going to double down or we are going to invest more into what sales looks like? How might that look for a company? Or maybe you have an example of someone you've worked with. Yeah, I think that, um, 
you know, again, I, uh, it seems to me like the owners we deal with, and most of our owners, Josh, are 2 million in revenue up to about 10 million in revenue. Yeah, we've gone as high, as long as it's privately owned, we've gone as high as 400 million in revenue. But most of our owners, that sweet spot is two to 10 million in annual revenue. But their magic number, they have like this magic number that they want to get to 10 million bucks. Yeah. I have a magic number that I want you to maximize profit and pay off all your damn debt. That's what I want you to do, mm. right? Whether growing sales is part of that equation or not, it's okay with me. But it, it can't just be, I want to grow sales. And that's what happens too much. Mm. So if I were to put it into a framework where an owner can win by, what are you willing to risk? What's the footprint you want to work in? What kind of margins do you need? Do you have the resources in your building to get it done without damaging what you've already got? And owners don't always think like that. They're just chasing that next contract. Yeah. Um, and so uh, does does that mean um, maybe hiring hiring up a little bit better um, in terms of the sales team? I think it it can mean that. I think that, you know, we had an example with a client years ago that was doing about uh, $30 million. He was in New England and he was the president of his company. He owned the company 100%. He was a young man, probably at the time in his early 40s. And he was the best sales guy they had by far and away. So what he did is he demoted himself to vice president of sales and he hired a retired executive from big company big, 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 well-named, well-known company yeah. uh, to come in on a three-year agreement to be the president of the company. So as the president, he ran the organization, made sure the policies were in place, the margins were kept, et cetera. And our owner who demoted himself to sales manager, vice president of sales, he ran the sales group and in three years, sales and profit doubled. Wow. But it takes a unique individual to step back and say, mm -hmm. I may not be the right guy for this role. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things we've been talking about for the last six months is that unemployment's at seven, eight, nine percent, whatever it is now. And at one point it was 12 percent. Yeah. There was talent out there. Oh, yeah. If, if you were an owner and you had the financial wherewithal to go out and bring talent in, you should have done that. Mm -hmm. You just definitely should have done that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, you look at real estate in the cities right now, there's um, you know, folks are kind of moving out of the cities and it's, you know, I was listening to someone who's kind of, you know, studied the history of pandemics and he said, you know, everything we're seeing, it's all been done before, you know, it's different, you know, different language, you know, different, uh, you know, different, uh, technology and so forth. But, you know, folks are, folks will go back to the cities. Uh, folks will go back to concerts. Uh, you know, it, 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 uh, we we hope the uh, you know the employment rate will go back to where it is. But you know, I I I think that, and I've seen a lot, and I've interviewed a lot of very very smart people who say there's a new problem that needs to be solved. There's a new opportunity right now, and to strike fast. Uh, and and to take advantage of that opportunity, uh, even if it means risk. And you know, what are we playing for? Are we playing for the short term, or are we playing for the long term? Um, and and so um, I would imagine then that a lot of decisions, um, you know, you always have your your decisions that impact cash flow month to month, and then you know, long term trajectory. Um, and there's always kind of a balancing act. You know, what's good for the long term versus what's good for right now? <laughs> and how do you how do you balance those two things? 
Well, you remember you started the segment today by talking about profitability, right? Yeah. So I've just always had this fundamental belief that you can be very philanthropic. You could be benevolent. You could be an amazing employer. You can be fantastic steward. You could be great in your community. But if you are not ethically and morally maximizing profitability, sooner or later, it's, sooner or later, it's going to come around and smack you in the fanny. So if you want to take advantage of opportunities, of course, you're going to take a degree of risk. That's what every entrepreneur does. But you want to do it with the strongest of balance sheets possible. And the only way that would have happened is if you spent the last two, three, four, five, six, seven years maximizing profit and building up the strength of your balance sheet so that when you go to war, when you go to take that new hill, when you take that new challenge or expand your offerings, you're doing it from a position of, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. If you have to do it by going to the bank and upping your line of credit from $1 million to $3 million, and you personally guaranteed that, and you and I both know in Florida with Homestead, your house is not at risk, but in a lot of parts of this country, your house is at risk. Mm. You got to think about what you're doing, the risk you're taking and the risk you're putting your family through. So entrepreneurs by nature are risk takers. They're just, yeah. they're optimistic and they're risk takers. I challenge them all maximize your profit, squeeze out that one or two more pennies on a dollar and build that bankroll so you can take intelligent risks and not be stressed. Yeah. Um, Lewis, what does Amster, like I, I know Amster has been around for a very, very long time uh, and, and that helps. Um, but, you know, it's still, uh, I, I'm curious what Amserve does to attract new clients. Because you, again, um, you know, that that's a certain pool, you know, that two to 10 million. Yeah, actually, we do a couple of things. Um, I think some of them work great sometimes. I think some of them, I'm wondering what the heck we're doing it for, right? <laughs> and and nothing we do all the time works all the time. We're, we're no different than most other businesses. So we run a call center here in Orlando that we talk to qualified business owners around the country every day. Um, we have a pedigree or a partnership with the United States Conference of Mayors, of which there are th about a thousand mayors involved in that. Uh, our, our Orlando mayor is in it, uh, Jacksonville mayor, Tampa mm -hmm. mayor. So we are the only consulting firm in the United States that they endorse. We are Forbes contributors. We contribute to Forbes once a month, twice a month. We are active on social media with uh, LinkedIn and and other sources that uh, some of the good folks at American Management take care of for me. And we're not afraid to step out of our comfort zone and try new things when they're presented to us. So we try to talk to folks as often as possible um, in any medium that we probably can, can gravitate to. I'll give you an example. On December 14th, we're doing an event for the mayor of Lansing. Mayor of Lansing will invite one to 200 small businesses to that event. It'll be done virtually. Okay, so we will talk to business owners, we will try to answer their questions, and then we have a follow-up process to continue that dialogue with them after the virtual event. So it sounds like a lot of um, a lot of service, you know, just doing good um, within communities uh, by way so building relationship, earning that earning that trust by way of by way of service, and then naturally becoming. Uh, a resource or an indispensable resource uh, for yeah, the, for those that are like, I like what Lewis has to say. I want more. <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll share two other things with you. When the pandemic hit, um, one of the mayors came to us and said, can we offer something to small businesses 
at no charge. So we spent money on Google advertising, Facebook advertising, and through the Conference of Mayors. And any business owner that called us that needed guidance, help, conversation on PPP, EIDL, dealing with a landlord, dealing with an issue, we spoke to thousands of owners at no charge for anything. And we were happy to do that. The second thing is, I believe owners need to put their money where their mouth is. So anyone that hires us has hired us for one day, mm-hmm. period, one day. If we don't dance, don't invite us back. That's yeah. what I believe everyone should do. Mm. Well, great. So, um, Lewis, for those who have been listening to our conversation, they're like, okay, this, I, I'm interested. Uh, what, what would be kind of that next step that they would take uh, to, to see if AmServe or you know, the work that you're doing um, would, would be of direct benefit? You know, it's, it's interesting because um, uh, we update our website monthly. There's probably 100 to 150 references, whether they're reference letters, client videos, names, phone numbers, addresses right on that website. And as you said, to begin with, it's amserve.com. Um, we are active on social media, myself, the company, on LinkedIn, Twitter, these whatever else is out there. We do that. So folks could look at anything. We have the highest better business period rating you can get. You can mm-hmm. check us out wherever you'd like. But I would encourage people, go to amserve.com. Um, and if they have a question, there's this old-fashioned thing called the telephone. Pick it up and ask. Call. Talk. Uh, you just There's no harm in having a conversation. We encourage it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. Louis Mosca, again, thank you so much. The website amserve.com. That's A-M-S-E-R-V.com. Louis, you're the EVP uh, and the chief operating officer. Uh, Again, Louis, thank you so much for joining us. Josh, my privilege. Um, uh, We should get together face-to-face one of these days. We're not that far apart. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thanks. You got it. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence each month. We scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm-hmm.